0: Uh, Our Bible character today that you've probably never heard of is Malchus. His story is listed in all four Gospels. Uh, Each one adds a little something that the others don't. Uh, Luke is the only one that mentions that uh, Jesus did something about the problem that he had. Um, But uh, the logo that we had made for this series on the wall is really, really appropriate for this story. Um, because there's a space missing uh, in the side of this guy's head, and that's kind of what happened to Malchus today. So uh, we're going to talk about the details of that a couple minutes into the lesson, so I'll make sure your breakfast is down before we get into the details. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 26, if you got your Bibles. Yeah, it's kind of gruesome. Sorry, yeah. I thought about showing the clip from... Now that Albert's walked in, he'll appreciate this. Um, uh, I thought about showing the clip from Reservoir Dogs... And Julie said, I couldn't even bring the movie into the room, so she said that was too unholy. So I was like, all right, whatever. Um, But man, my bad joke for the day is fleshing out the gospel. That's the subtitle of today's lesson, so that's, yeah, okay. Now that we're done with that, let's get into the text. Matthew 26, verse 47. And while he was still, this is Jesus, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. So, somebody, somebody give me the, the scene here. What's just happened? There's, there's a big hunk of text that's just happened that was about Jesus praying in the garden, and the disciples went to sleep, and he's got to reprimand them for that, and then they wake up, and then, and then they're in this, this garden. right? And all of a sudden, Judas and a whole bunch of people start showing up, and they've got clubs and uh, swords, and they're going to come arrest Jesus. Verse forty-eight. Now his betrayer, this is Judas, had given them a sign, saying, "Whomever I kiss." And I, I wanted to know what the word was here for "kiss," and so I looked it up, and it's the word "phileo." It's it's really one of the words for love. Uh, it's the friendly love. Whoever I am friendly with, uh, and I thought, man, that's kind of a like a strange word to use for a kiss, but that's that's the word that's used. Whoever I'm friendly with, he is the one sees him, and immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. Basically, Hey, how you doing? And he kissed him. And it it seems so simple, doesn't it? So so here's the scene. It's night. It's dark. Jesus has his disciples there with him. So Jesus is in front and his disciples are behind him. And Judas is coming. And and we think there's probably a small army with Judas. Uh, There's scribes and Elders and priests and political figures and all these with Judas, and they come up and Judas is going to pick Jesus basically out of the disciple lineup. Right, and he walks up to him and he gives him a kiss. So, so apparently, several of the commentators have said something very similar to what Guzik says. He says apparently Jesus was normal enough in appearance so that it was necessary that Judas specifically identify him for the sake of those arresting him. So he wasn't, he didn't radically stand out. You know, we think about the um, Um, the white Jesus uh, with the perfect flowing hair, walking on the beach with the white flowing gown and the blue sash and spouting these pithy little sayings, right? Probably not. He was probably five foot nothing with a big nose and a bad haircut and, you know, a ratty beard. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just not, he would have been an average guy. He was a person, you know. Um, So verse 50, but Jesus said to him, what does he say? My friend, can you imagine? I mean, Jesus knew everything, right? He knew everything was about to happen. He knew how it was all going to unfold. And he says, my friend, why have you come? And Jesus had this knack in the New Testament of asking you a question that would get to the heart of what your issue was, right? He's making Judas think through, are you sure you want to do this? Why have you come? What are you here for? Then they, all the people behind Judas, came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So, um, Albert, can I borrow you for a second? And I need, uh, say, four other guys. Mm-hmm. Any four guys that want to hop up? That's cool. have got Dave, have got <laughs> Tim, come on. And Justin's bringing his baby, okay? It's the inappropriate soldier, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Just. That's volunteering, right, when you take your kid along with you? That's cool. All right, so Albert's going to be Jesus. Uh, Jesus is is out front. Let's see, we'll, we'll have Jesus and his disciples are here. Um, Sean, you, you're going to lead the bad guys. Come on, Dave, over here on this side. And uh, I need I need one other guy. Can, can one other guy help? Zeke, can you help me for a second? So, so this is kind of the scene. So just picture a whole bunch of guys behind our side. No, 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 we're not out in front of Jesus. That's the problem. You, you've... You've learned that lesson once, get Peter. Me, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You're good this time. <laughs> he wore his old clothes today. I guess he had to get on the floor again. That's great. Um, so the bad guys and the good guys, basically the way this is working. And Jesus is out front. And Judas, you want to be Judas, Sean? Cool. Judas comes up and he, actually I should have asked... Uh, Very cold to be Judas because he has no problem kissing men in Sunday school. Oh, no, but I do. uh, Yeah, I know. I know you do. I know you do. So let's do a holy fist bump. Does that work? A fist bump? We'll do the fist bump. This is the modern version. He's identified Jesus, and the bad guys come, and they lay hold on Jesus. So they've grabbed him. So this is the guy that I've been following in my life for three years. This is the guy that has changed everything about my life. This is the guy that I am literally walking in his steps This is the guy that I have followed all over Israel. This is the guy that I have seen raise the dead. This is the guy that I have seen heal the blind. This is the guy that I have seen change lives. And they are going to take him away. Right? So do do you see the emotional context of this and where we're at? So Peter's already got his hand on his sword, right? So my first question is, what in the world is Peter doing with a sword? It's just... He's just—he was always cutting up. Oh, he was always cutting up. That was awful. Wow. It's the version of a pocket knife. Yeah, it's it's a little bigger than a pocket knife. It's not a lot, but it's a little bigger. So, verse fifty-one. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus and, and Matthew and. And, uh, and two, of the other guy, two of the other gospel writers are really kind to Peter because they don't mention his name. They just say one of them. And you really don't even have to guess, right? Even if, even if he wasn't named, we would probably just assign it to him anyway because he was always the guy that was doing the stupid stuff. And suddenly one of those who are with Jesus. I love you, man. I love you man. Um, I'm Thomas. I'm doubting you can pull it off, so that's where I'm at. Um, and suddenly, one of those who was with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. So, you're Malchus. All right. It says Malchus. Away we go. Does that mean he was really good aim, or I, we think he was really bad aim? We think he was really bad aim. Now, so which 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 ear did he cut off? Does it say in this version? It doesn't say in this version, does it? No. And cut off his ear. Uh, Luke tells us it was his right ear. Okay? So think about this. If Peter's right-handed, which he probably was, if he was left-handed, the Bible probably would have pointed this out at some point because they were the unusual guys. So he's coming at him, and you're going to hit him on that side? So either Malchus was trying to get out of the way, Peter had really bad aim, or both, or there was so much going on. Have you ever seen somebody arrested? anybody ever seen somebody being arrested? Have you ever seen anybody being arrested with multiple police officers? Not just one. Is it a calm, serene environment, or is there a lot going on? There's a whole lot going on, right? I, I think, I think that there's a whole lot going on here. And you've got swords rattling. You've got torches being lit. you got, cl- they've got clubs and swords on their side. And we have Peter with his little sword. And the word for sword here is is the, the word for a sword that's about this long. It's a little dagger. It's kind of like this. The blade is about this long, about a foot, a foot and a half. Uh, when Caleb was four years old, four years old, uh, Daryl took a trip to Honduras and brought back an artifact from Honduras for Caleb, my four-year-old son. It was a machete. He said, but all the little boys in Honduras have them. I said, great, they can keep them. I don't want my four-year-old. So we've put it up. We've put it away. I don't know. We're still going to have to work on our timing when he's mature enough to own a machete. I mean, that's just his 15? Your 15 Your 15-year-old son. Okay. So maybe we'll go with 15. So here's your, here's your first blank. Jesus turned to him and said, put your sword in its place. So Jesus turns. So they still got his hands on him, right? So Malchus oh, no. is, yeah, you're probably not, right? Malchus is probably, remember, it's dark. It's dark. What's Malchus probably looking for? He's here. <laughs> yeah. It's dark. He's bleeding. Have you ever seen a head wound? Oh my goodness. It bleeds yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's, he's just going to be covered in this. It's going to be awful. So he's trying to figure out where his ear is. Jesus turns to Peter and says, "Put away your sword, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword." In the middle of this ridiculously confusing scene, Jesus decides it's time to teach Peter a lesson. Like <laughs> what? He cares that much about us that he's willing to teach us in the middle of a frenzy? Yeah, he does. It's amazing. Uh, Here's your blank. Peter put his faith in his sword instead of Jesus. That's kind of scary, isn't it? We ever put our faith in something other than Jesus? And it's really obviously apparent that this didn't work well. He goes on in verse 53, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? We don't know exactly the number, but it's tens of thousands. How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, the multitudes, who's the multitudes? Who brought with them multitudes? Judas brought multitudes with Him. So Jesus now turns His attention to the multitudes he says, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. He's preaching to them now. Right? He's taught Peter a lesson. He's preaching to them. Now, does Matthew say anything about the shape Malchus is in? He's, Malchus has a problem in Matthew, right? And Malchus is not doing well at all. So let's look at Mark, Mark chapter 14. So we're going to leave him here for just a second. So you guys just hang tight. You still got him. You got him, okay? There you go. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes. This is the piece that's different in this account. This is the, the educated folks and the elders. Now his betrayer. Judas had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away. What's the word you have? Safely. you have another translation? Anybody? Under guard. It's a better way to say it. Literally, it's securely. The idea is (laughs) safely in a protected manner so we can do something to him, not safely that I want to keep him personally safe. It's protected. It's I've got him contained, well-contained maybe or securely. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said to them, again, so Mark omits the teaching moment for Peter, right? Mark omits a lot of things. Mark's kind of the the Reader's Digest condensed version of the Gospels. He's the shortest one. Uh, and Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. So not much added in Mark. Let's look at Luke. And while he was yet speaking, are you getting the pattern here? He was speaking. Behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to Judas, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? So who do you think asked the question? Peter, Peter. Probably Peter because he's the one that swung with the sword. And one of them, still, not named, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. What do you think he's talking about? Permit even this. Permit the cutting off of the ear. He's good with the cutting off the ear. Permit what? My rest. My rest. Right? Guys, there's a bigger story at play here. What Jesus understood is that for 4,000 years of human history had been leading up to this day. Right? Jesus has always got the long view in mind. He's never caught up and overwhelmed with the moment. He's always looking at the long view. And he touched. Anybody have a different word for touched? It literally means to fasten or to cling to or to attach His ear and heal them. Now, who writes Luke's gospel? Yes, like who's buried in Grant's tomb, right? Okay. Um, Luke was a doctor. The doctor is going to be concerned about the medical aspect of the patient. The patient has a problem. So, Malchus, if you had your ear cut off, what's your physical body language going to be? I'm going to hit my knees, right? Yeah. I'm probably going to hit my. Yeah. I'm probably going to hit my knees. I'm, thank you. Some some volunteers take more coaching than others. It's all right. He's probably the smartest guy in the room, right? You know. Um, so he's looking for his ear, and Jesus touched his ear. So now remember, it, right? I mean, that's it. Where was his ear? uh what well, he was looking for it, so it was on the ground so. so you got to go to the ground you guys still have him you guys these guys still have him think of the moment think of the picture this this stuff really happened guys they still have him and jesus reaches down for the ear this is he cares about people he's still ministering to people on his way to be crucified this is unbelievable. what kind of god do we serve this is crazy have you ever been in a battle? Have you may ever been in a battle? A fight? Have you ever been in a fight? Do you stop to help your opponent's physical condition in the middle of a fight? No. You kick him while he is down. <laughs> if Malchus had gone down, the logical thing to do would have been to kick him in the head because his head is closer to your foot then, right? Peter, jump on him. Stab him. in You know. And that's not what Jesus does. Jesus healed an enemy in the midst of a battle. What kind of God is this? He teaches us that even when all bleep is breaking loose, ministry can be done. Right? Let me read you a quote from Guzik. He said with his sword Peter accomplished very little. He only cut off one ear and really just made a mess that Jesus had to clean up by healing the severed ear. When Peter moved in the power of the world, he only cut off ears. But when he was filled with the Spirit using the Word of God, Peter pierced hearts for God's glory in Acts chapter 2. Here's another thought for you. Barclay said if had Jesus had not healed Malchus, Peter would have been arrested as well and there might have been four crosses at Calvary. How does that change church history? So here's the picture, guys. Here's the picture. Jesus fixes the ear. What's going through Malchus' mind right now? That's good. What's going through Malchus' mind right now? Right. I think we're after the wrong dude, guys. Can we rethink this, maybe? I don't know... Who in that whole calamity of a mess really, truly, passionately believed? Because there might have been people that were just paid, hired guns that were just showing up. I'm just, I was told to be here. I'm doing my job. We're going to arrest some guy. He's been talking. He's been saying the wrong. He's, he's ticked off the wrong people. We're going to go arrest him. We're going to take care of this. So there may have been some of those folks that were openly debating whether or not Jesus was true, whether what he was teaching was right. But there was somebody in that garden who knew. What the right answer was. Would you agree? Yes. Because you remember the opening scene from "The Passion of the Christ?" You remember this movie? Um, it actually shows this scene, and there's an audible effect that happens. You remember this? When Malchus's ear gets cut off, what happens? This squealing, ringing sound, because sound is now coming in where his ear was, and it's not being captured correctly. So his brain would not know what to do that. All he would hear would be like feedback if I were to walk up next to the the speakers. So he's got this squealing sound in his head and then all of a sudden it goes away. I would imagine he might perhaps look toward the hand that just reattached his ear to his head and see this guy just changed everything. What a cool story, right? It makes me wonder what happened to Malchus, because we have absolutely no record of him whatsoever anywhere else in Scripture or anywhere else in church history. Nothing. There's not even any real significant legends or fables about him. If you Google him, there's like ten results. There's just nothing there. We don't know what happened to Malchus. But I know his day got radi- or his night got radically changed. Right? All right. So we've got one more gospel to go through. And that's John. Make sure i got the blanks here. Oh, we got one more. Verse 52 in in Luke. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and elders who had come to him. See, who'd they put out front? If Malchus got his ear cut off, who was out front? The The servants were out front. Judas was out front. Malchus was out front. See, you can tell a true leader by who they send out front. Because the leaders of this band were in the back. So I have a detachment of troops. I have probably what's the equivalent of the palace guard. And I put my servants out front. That's pretty lame leadership. It is really, really lame leadership. So the blank there is everyone eventually comes face to face with Jesus. Because these folks came to him. And Jesus said, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour. Now, you remember in the book of John, Jesus is constantly talking about, my hour is not come yet. Right? He actually says this, I think, to his mom, doesn't he, at the, the wedding? Is, it, is that where he first says it? He says, woman, my hour hasn't come yet. Don't reveal me yet. And he does a miracle, and he's like, my, my hour hasn't come yet. And, and my hour hasn't come yet. And and my hour hasn't come yet. But in John chapter 17, he's praying to the Father and he says, the hour has come. So let's go to John 18 and see how John treats this topic. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the Brook Kidron. Anybody know where the Brook Kidron is? This is actually, uh, it ran right next to where the sacrifices. Remember, this is Passover, right? So it would have been a full moon. It ran right next to where they did the sacrifices for Passover. And this was the, the brook where they washed the utensils. They would have been bloody. At Passover, there would have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of animals killed. This river would have been dark. And that's actually what Kidron means. It means turbid or dark. Where there was a garden. What, where was the first man put? In a garden. Did the first man do okay in a garden? No, he messed it up. How about the next man? The next man did all right in the garden. The second Adam is one of the things that Jesus is referred to. Jesus passed his test in the garden. The first Adam failed in the garden, but the second Adam, Jesus passed the test. When he and his disciples entered, see, Jesus didn't send his disciples out front. He and his disciples. Jesus led Jesus doesn't promise us a life of ease, but he does promise, of, promise us a life with him. And, and people get this all mixed up, guys. Christianity is not about the American dream. It is not about being nice and safe and comfortable. It is about doing life with Jesus Christ. Verse 2, And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. How, how poignant do you think that was for Judas? i got to go to the place where we used to go, and he would pray for us, and he would teach us and I learned things that were that I had never heard before. And Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all these things that would come upon him, went forward and said, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. So this is before, so let's hop up for a sec. So we got these three guys. You want to hand off the baby at this point. Sorry. You want to hand off the baby at this point. Yeah. Or we need a substitute. Can we get a substitute? All right, we got a sub. Cool. That's awesome. Tag team volunteering here. Did you just say those two words right there? Go for it. Just those two. I am. And they fell down. Now, this is crazy because your, your English Bible says, I am he, right? They said, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. The he was added for clarity. Jesus just said, I am. What's I am? That's the name of God. (laughs) So they all fell down. They drew back and fell to the ground. Now, here's one of the amazing things in this whole story. They came to arrest him. He said two words, and they all fell down. What keeps Jesus from just, okay, they got up. I am. They fell back down again. I am, and they fall back down again. I am, and they fall back down again. And he just waltzes. There's nothing that keeps... People think that Jesus got arrested in the garden. He didn't get arrested in the garden. He let them take him in the garden. It's like they crucified Jesus. He let that happen. He willingly laid down his life. And that's one of the beautiful things about him is that he had more power. He said two words, and the political the military, the educational, and the spiritual leadership that had come out against him, all were blown away. You got nothing on my Jesus. You cannot do anything against what he wants done. It's not going to happen. He will win. So they got up, and he let them get up, which is kind of cool. Verse 5, And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. See, Judas had been in this place before, and now he stands with a different group. Uh, we either stand with Jesus or we stand with his enemies. There is no middle ground. There was no place in between where Judas can stand and go, Well, I kind of like Jesus. He's my friend on Sundays. But, but I kind of like, like these guys, too, because they're awesome on the weekends. Right? <laughs> But, yeah, Jesus is cool, so we'll just kind of waffle back. No, 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 no. You're on one side or the other. There is no middle ground. And if you think you're in the middle, you're not. Verse 6. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Verse 7. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? Remember the New Testament where Jesus would just ask these questions over and over and over and over and over again because people hadn't been honest with themselves. Um, I remember the first time I saw an episode of House. Have you ever seen an episode of House? House had this fundamental philosophy that everybody lies. So he would just ask questions and ask questions. And he would have his team ask questions and ask questions and ask questions until he got to the root of the issue, which was, okay, whatever it is, and then he looks like a genius. Well, they just kept asking questions. That's what it was because everybody lies. And so he asked him again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. How cool is that? He's like, I'll give myself up. Guzik says, take me, let these go, is the same sacrificial love that takes Jesus to the cross for all of us. In bearing our judgment for sin, he said the same thing to the Father's justice. Take me, let these go. Right. That's what the cross was about. The cross was about somebody substituting themselves for me. Verse 9, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of, these whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, sorry John, John threw you under the bus, Simon Peter. Here it is, so they've, they've grabbed him. They've grabbed him. Thank you. little sluggish bad guys here today. They've grabbed him, they all grabbed oh, him. Just oh, okay. Simon Peter, having a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And here it is. Here it is, guys. The servant's name was Malchus. We finally find his name. Now he's identified. Now he's a person. Remember, why did John write his gospel? We might believe. When we make people real people, when they have names, we can identify more with them. If I had just said... The Unidentified Servant of the High Priest. That was the title of today's lesson. Well, that's kind of weird. But the dude had a name. His name was Malchus. The servant's name was Malchus. And Malchus changed because of this. What does it say? So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Now, when you cut off a body part... With a sharp object. What is left on that sharp object? Blood. Blood. And he put that into his sheath. At some point later, Peter would have pulled that thing out again. What a reminder of where not to put your faith. What a reminder of what Jesus did on the way to the cross. What a reminder of how much he cared about somebody that was his enemy. Is this crazy or what? This is an absolutely amazing story. I listened to a sermon this weekend. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you helping I listened to a sermon on this topic, and uh, it was by a man named Godshall, Adam Godshall. He says, this is the gospel according to Malchus. There's several blanks for you here. One, the gospel is a plan of God. Did Jesus communicate to these folks that these things must be fulfilled? Yeah, there's a plan in place here. Right? Two, the gospel is a call to faith. Peter put his faith in that sword, and that wasn't where his faith should have been. His faith should have been in Jesus, that Jesus knew what in the world he was doing. He's followed this man around for years now. He has sworn to do whatever. The gospel is a call to faith. Number three, the gospel is an act of mercy. Malchus was an enemy, and Jesus was merciful. And number four, the gospel is a power to heal. Aren't you glad about that one? See, the reality is we all can be able to rate, relate to Malchus quite a bit because we've all at some point in our lives been staunchly opposed to the message or the person of Jesus Christ. That, that faith in a sword or the political establishment or the educational establishment or the religious establishment or the military establishment is better than the way of Jesus. And it's not. Um, So what's the point? Well, number one, Jesus was not popular. Uh, We sometimes have this opinion in the New Testament that everybody loved Jesus and it was always wonderful and it was great. No, no, no. The people in charge hated him. He was a threat to them. So what do I do about that? Well, don't worry about Jesus' popularity. He's not going to be popular today with leaders that really understand what he was about. Don't try to defend his popularity, make Jesus a popularity contest. That's not a big deal. Number two, it's easy to put faith in something other than Jesus. So regularly put faith in Jesus. Reaffirm this. The gospel is for today. It is not for that moment that we got saved only. It's for today as well. Number three, Jesus never quit. Um, He could have just said, you know what? This is too much trouble. It's a big hassle, right? I'm done. But he didn't. He didn't quit. Stay focused on Jesus. Number four, our rash actions hurt others. Um, There's a debate online uh, in the old, old commentaries about whether Malchus had a scar or not. I don't think he did. I think when Jesus healed things, he healed it completely. Um, I think Malchus went home with a bloody shirt and a crazy story and a really hard time explaining it to his wife and kids. What in the world just happened tonight? <laughs> I mean, how, do you, how do you tell that story? My ear was laying on the ground and then I met this guy named Yeshua and, and this is my blood, but I don't have a scar. I don't get that. Right? He completely healed him. So what do you do about that? Well, slow down. Right? Because I love to react in the moment. I love to make an immediate decision and pounce and just go, ah, here we go. Uh, no, slow down. This is a difficult one. Um, and this is one I don't have a blank for. Jesus healed his enemies. What does this say, Doug? <clears> hmm, <throat> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Maybe you guys can teach me here. And Jesus healed his enemies. guy was coming after him with a sword and a club. And he had a whole bunch of more guys doing it too. And he stops and he heals him. Some of the stuff that Jesus does just leaves you speechless. You know? I don't, I don't know what you do with that. You love your enemies, right? I guess. Number six, everyone eventually comes face to face with Jesus. Everybody not just the folks that interacted with him personally in his life. So be ready for that. Um, God's name is powerful. (laughs) We sometimes forget the God that we serve has an incredibly powerful presence and name. So trust in his name and not mine. Because I like to trust in my name sometimes. I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I got this. I got this figured out. I can answer this one. I can solve this one. I can fix this problem. Not really. Not really. And then number eight, I am the mob and I am Malchus. Because uh, I have opposed and I have fought hard and, and Jesus has healed us in ways that we still don't understand. that I'm not sure we'll understand until we get to heaven. And even when we get to heaven, we may not understand. Right? I mean, he's healed us. We are fundamentally broken, just like Malchus was. There was something wrong. We are lying in a pool of our own blood, and he comes along, and he saves us. And he saved Malchus. And he changed his life forever, and he gave him a story to tell, and I wonder what he did with it. And we don't know. There's actually a play that was made a couple of years ago. They made it into a movie uh, called Malchus. It was all about that night, and his story. And I think Malchus' story is a lot like ours in that we don't know how our story ends yet, right? I don't know how my life's going to end. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Today is my mom and dad's 40th wedding anniversary. And that's pretty cool. Mom, if you're listening, happy anniversary. Um, I hope that I get at least 40. That'd be great. But God may take me home next week. And... I don't know. I don't know how my story is going to end. I don't know how Malchus's story ended. But he sure had a story to tell, didn't he? Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing stuff. So what do I do with that? Well, let Jesus heal me. I know my choir folks have to go. That's okay. You're good. Um, so that's the story of Malchus. A lot going on in those four passages. Um, whenever you read a text and it's got a parallel passage, make sure to read the parallel passage because many times there's a lot of little sporting details. You go, oh, okay. It was his right ear. Peter was awful aim. Right? Jesus healed it. He just didn't leave the guy laying there bleeding. You know, three of the gospels left the guy there bleeding. Um, and don't assume, this is another lesson for me, don't assume that the Bible has captured every word or every nuance or every quote in every story. Many times it's simply a summary of what went on. It's not every word of everything. Do I believe the Bible is true? Absolutely. Is it perfect? Absolutely. Do we absolutely have exactly what we're supposed to have? Yes. But it may not be a full and complete record. You know, One of the Gospels said at the end, if we'd written down everything Jesus did, the world itself couldn't contain all the books that would be written. He was an active fella. <laughs> the world itself couldn't contain the books? That's incredible. There's a reason for that, because he's still healing people today. It hasn't stopped. This just illustrated what Jesus was about. It wasn't an anomaly. It was the norm with him. This is who Jesus was and is today and will be tomorrow. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. All right. Next week is Rhoda. Awesome name. Uh, In Acts chapter 12, if there was a dumb blonde in the New Testament, Rhoda was it. Um, So it'll be a neat story next week. And uh, read up on Acts chapter 12 if you, haven't, if you haven't read that story yet. So lean in at your tables, do your prayer requests, and uh, thanks for coming to Sunday school today.